Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Rocket Truck Podcast. I am your host, Nanny Mitz. Today, we have a lot to talk about. A lot of good, but a little bit of bad after we had to delay the podcast um, until after the BYU game. Obviously, anybody who's paying any attention to the Kansas Jayhawks knows how poorly that that second half of that game went. Um, But here to help me break down everything that happened over the weekend and in that game against BYU is, of course, Kyle Davis, my deputy editor over at Blue Wings Rising. Kyle. How you doing today? I am uh, I am rolling with the roller coaster that is Kansas in February. The weather uh, going up and down. The basketball team going up and down. It's just you know I'm I'm going from just, just trying to keep an even keel while it's going from hot to cold to hot to cold. And, yeah, and look, I forth. I told some BYU fans before the game like that I had know, that I know from church, and I basically said, hey. BYU is going to win this game when hell freezes over. And guess what? I walked outside it, it and it looked, was snowing it was, and it looked like it hell had frozen over. So, yep. um, yeah, no, that was, um, apparently that was very prophetic on my part. Um, but no, I mean, so, so I think that's, I, that is, I guess, the place to start. Uh, we'll kind of get the bat out of the way, rip the band aid off and, and get going there. But, um, Kansas falling to BYU last night, uh, from when we're recording this and, I'm going to be honest, like halftime, it looked like they were in pretty good shape. Like they, BYU didn't have an answer for KJ Adams. Um, you know, Kansas was holding BYU to poor shots from beyond the arc and they were still making a decent amount of them, but you know, they were, they were doing what, what you expected them to be able to do. The rotation seemed to be working pretty well. Yeah. You were worried about, you know, three pointers that Kansas wasn't making, but this was always going to be an inside game for the Jayhawks versus the outside game for BYU. But um, any idea what happened in that second half? Because I am still trying to figure that out. I am too. And look, this is um, uh, there were it, it, there are so many opportunities missed in a lot of different ways, and we can talk about it if we want to try and tie it into a greater trend. It seems like that trend is that 
in a weekday game on short rest after a Saturday tough battle, the legs go out in the final 15 minutes and shots do not fall. And everything is short. Like some of it was bad luck. Like Johnny Furby had multiple threes that went in and out. Um, The free throw shooting, I think part of it is mental, part of it is the legs. But like it just seems like in the last 15 minutes of the games, when we've looked at either a big Monday game or a Tuesday night game, whatever it is, the rotation, like the, the main guys have struggled uh, to, to finish off. And it just, I don't know if it's, you know, it, it's, yeah, tiredness. I don't know if it's kind of part of it's a mental thing. Um, but you saw they, they were up, they, the second half started about as well as you could. They immediately attacked, uh, they went to Dickinson down low, got the lead up to 12. And then I think it, it, the turning point in the game to me was BYU hit a three, cut it to six. Harris drew a foul. He only made one of them. Uh, got the steal. Dickinson was fouled, missed both of them. And then uh, BYU hit back-to-back threes on while Kansas turned the ball over. Like, it, So it went from basically, you know, you, you could have been up a 10 again to you're only up two at the under-12 timeout. And then it just unraveled. And, you know, it, it's interesting. We can talk about the three-point shooting. We can talk about the free throws because both of those are valid. Um, you know, the other thing of it though is, is that Kansas has been able to, Kansas is never going to be a great three point shooting team. We know that Kansas has been able to, and I said it even in there, Kansas has been able to make up for that because they are so good in the paint and, uh, BYU is not a good defensive team in the paint. And it's actually, I didn't even realize this until I was looking, uh, ahead of this, if because we're talking about Texas and the BYU game, right? Right. In both games, Kansas made three three pointers. In both games, Kansas made nineteen free throws. The difference in the games from one of them scoring eighty six points and winning to the other scoring sixty eight points and losing is that against Texas, Kansas shot sixty five or almost sixty six percent from two point range, and last night Kansas shot forty five percent. Like that was the difference in the game because you can you can you can overcome only making three threes. Uh, or again, both times they had 90, they had identical three point uh, points from the three point lane or the arc and the, and the free throw line. The difference was in, against Texas, KJ Adams was hitting hook shots and they were finishing everything inside. And then the second half of the, of the BYU game, everything was short. KJ was five of 13 from two, you know, uh, Nick Timberlake was over three, like uh, Hunter was only four for nine. Like you have to be better there if you're not going to be making a bunch of, um, Threes and the free throws, yes. That Hunter Dickinson, I saw, came in like said that he got in his head. You know, he was six and fifteen. We've been clamoring for when is Hunter Dickinson going to be foul or officiated like everyone else and get more foul shots. Well, he got him, and that's yeah, it happened. What happened. Tonight. Yeah, it, it happened against BYU, and he wasn't able to convert at the free throw line. And look, you could tell afterwards, like they brought Hunter in to the to the press room, um, and he basically like. You could tell how distraught he was, you know, how upset he was with himself and with the way that they played. And, um, you know, any, anybody who talks, you know, because that's probably something that we need to just nip in the bud right here is anybody who talks about Hunter Dickinson, like he does not deserve the respect that he gets from people that, you know, pay attention to the game, just needs to shut up. Like, look, Hunter Dickinson is one guy on the court. You play five. You cannot just assume that Hunter Dickinson is going to take over an entire game all by himself. He does need some help. 
he does need some shooters Especially when he's that can getting actually double hit. teamed. Right. Yeah, he's getting double teamed and 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 look, he definitely made some mistakes tonight. Um, you know, self talked about how, you know, this is not like Hunter's not used to defending a guy out on the perimeter constantly. And what BYU did really well and what they always have done really well is the passes inside that then get kicked back right back out for a wide open three. Um, Kansas was too often double teaming the guy in the post when it went inside and then it would get kicked back out. And Hunter was a, a big, uh, you know, he, he was one of the people that did that quite a bit and gave them some open threes, but he's not used to playing in that position. He's not, a, you know, he's not a guard. He doesn't usually guard a guard. Um, and so it's, it's, it was a completely different style of game for him. Um, Bill Self also kind of talked about, you know, how in the shoot around you could tell that they just weren't, they weren't, uh, as folk, like, it, it wasn't like uh, they were doing anything wrong, but, you know, as anybody who's ever worked a job before or anybody who's ever done something repetitively before, there's days where you just don't have it. There's days where the focus just isn't quite there, and it's not yeah. that you're not doing anything wrong, that you don't care or anything like that. It just, sometimes you just don't have it. If this was a night where Kansas just didn't have it. They stayed in the game for most of the game, but, you know, everything kind of came together um, for them to be able to lose this game. And, and look... BYU is not a bad team. I've seen so many people talking about this as like, this is the worst loss of the season. And, you know, this might be the worst loss yeah, they, in, in several years. Like, no, BYU is a very good team. Week. They were ranked and the, last. And the metrics love them. Yeah. Right. BYU, though, is also a team that has very high variance. Like, they're, they're either really good because they hit a bunch of threes. I mean, they hit 13 threes against the Jayhawks. That's 30 extra points that they got from beyond the arc that Kansas didn't get. And Kansas wasn't able to make it all up with twos. Um, but you know, this is a, this is a good BYU team. Like you look at Ken Palm, they're at 15. You look at, uh, Torvik, they're at 19. Or, I'm sorry, 17 to, uh, after last night. You look at, uh, at CBB analytics and they're at 10th. Like this is a good team all around. They have a fantastic offense. Their defense is a little bit, you know, a little bit lacking. But when you shoot as much as you do, you don't necessarily need to have the best defense to, to kind of shut down. And, and, and really the matchups is what really kind of helped them. So, all props to BYU for what they did. Uh, you know, this is definitely highlighting some concerning trends for the Jayhawks, but it's not like these aren't things that we've seen in the past. Um, you know, I think a lot of Kansas fans have good reason to be worried if Kevin McCuller doesn't come back, um, which, based off of the comments from last night and from, you know, the game against Texas, I don't I don't know that Kansas has any expectations for when McCuller comes back. Like, uh, I don't know. It's It's a combination of... You know, and I've seen a lot of people. I, I thought Mike Vernon over at the hearings did a really good job of kind of laying out all of the implications of this right now. Is that look, you want Kevin back because he can he can help the team win, but he's clearly not as effective as he normally is. Um, he's clearly got some issues going on uh, with you know with the injury, and that's kind of normal. And if he was not in the final year of his eligibility, where he has you know and a potential NBA dr- prospect, like you you would you would probably play through it, right? Because you have another year to then get back where you need to be. Um, he cannot afford right now, professionally, to play abysmally for three weeks because of an injury when he's trying to, you know, get himself to the next level to be able to set himself up professionally. So, you know, uh, there's a lot of players that have come through Kansas where most people are, like, understanding, right? Like, this is a... Yes, they're great for Kansas. We love it when Kansas is great. But, you know, these players are trying to use this as an opportunity to set themselves up professionally. And if they go when they need to go, then that's fine. Um, 
McCuller, I don't blame McCuller for making sure that he is actually going to be able to put a good foot forward, and that's no pun intended at all, but apparently I just can't help myself today. Um, but This is a knee slapper. Yeah, 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 exactly. But no, I mean, he just this – is, this is not something – like, there's nobody at fault. This is just a crappy situation all around. And unfortunately, Kansas, you know, they, they were on the high of not having to, you know, make up for a – a, uh, a hobbled Kevin or a, you know, I guess a not, not as effective as normal Kevin. But the talent level is lower when Kevin's not on the floor. Like, there's no denying that at all. And so, you know, there was always going to be a time that they were going to run into a team that could take advantage of the fact that Kevin was, on the, was not on the floor. And, and BYU, I think, was one of those good teams. Now, they have to go on the road to Baylor. They've already beaten Baylor once without Kevin McCuller. Um, so maybe they can do it again. Uh, honestly, it would be kind of nice to see that. And uh, considering they didn't have Jamari McDowell last time, so you know maybe Jamari will be right. the difference uh, down in down in Waco. Um, and then of course they have they have to go play Houston. And if they don't have a color for either of those games, like it's hard to imagine they're going to win either of those. But I will say, you know, this is probably the best thing for that uh, for that season or for that senior night game against uh, against Kansas State because you know you already dropped your one at home. Um, I know yeah, they're not doing two in a row. Right. Yeah. I know I know that Kansas is going to be fired up and uh you know I, I was talking with some, with some of the other reporters in the media from after it's like it's like man the guy who's probably the most pissed off about tonight is probably Jerome Tang because now they can't come in and shock the Jayhawks for their only loss of the of the season at home. So um yeah, yeah. lots of fun. I also you you know the Kevin McCullough thing is it's it's a tough situation especially the timing. I also don't think like I I don't I don't think uh his replacements were the necessarily the reason why you lost this game though like i actually thought especially in the first half like el marco and jamari and even nick were like doing a pretty really good job defensively like they were working their their tails off and i think um you know like i, I was i'd love to see uh jamari step in and just knock down a three and he was playing good defense el, el marco's gonna have some turnovers but he's he can do actually something that no one else on this team can do, which is create a mid-range jumper for himself um, outside of maybe Kevin could earlier in the in the season. So, like, you know, this is one of those where I don't I don't look at the Tuesday night. Uh, two things can be true. Kansas is worse off without Kevin McCuller, and the margin for error is, is more slim. But I don't think Tuesday night's loss was because McCuller wasn't playing. Like, I don't think right. it was it, it was evident that like oh the other guys don't have it, and actually. If we want to talk um, positive for a second and, and try to look at some silver lining, I actually think this was a really good week for the trio of, well, it was a good week overall for the trio of Timberlake, Jackson, and, and McDowell. Timberlake can't go one of 12 or one of nine from the field uh, anymore because, like, that's that one area. But overall, I think from especially El Marco and, and Jamari, this was probably the best two game stretch that they've looked on both ends of the floor um in a long time if if at all this season so your your optimism there is as you go into march no kansas is not going to be as good without mcculler on the floor however the other guys are still getting better i think that's the thing we've we always fail to look at is we always think that the players who they are in december or whenever january are gonna be that way the whole time like especially freshmen continue to get better now again yeah they're not going to completely uh make up for McCullough's absence but I do think that 
they are shrinking the gap a little bit. And this week was still a very good week for those guys. Now, again, in Timberlake, you know, the defense was much better. I've said that the, my, my biggest fear going into the Texas game and even here was being able to defend uh, the three and even the guards. But, you know, he and Furphy just can't collectively go that poorly from three-point range. And I think the thing you miss from, from McCuller right now is his ability to just – all right, you need a basket. Someone just needs to drive the lane and be aggressive and draw a foul. Like, he's going to do that. And that was one of those things where it, it was interesting to me. I, I'm trying to look back through my notes. I don't know if it was about six minutes left, whatever it was. But, uh, you know, like, well, I guess I should say that the, the BYU picked up its 10th foul at the under-12 timeout. They had – Four guys and or three guys with four fouls. I think at the maybe under eight, under six, and then Kansas just completely stopped like trying to get to the basket and draw fouls. Like you, you notice. Yeah. Like I, I think I, I I tweeted when it was like six minutes left. Like how many BYU players are going to foul out of this game? Only one did, and it was in the last minute when the game was already out of reach. Like that was where you miss McCuller as someone who can just all right, they're in foul trouble. They're not gonna. They're either going to have to to pull back on defense or they're going to foul out. I'm going to just take this hard to the basket and draw a foul and either finish or make my free throws or whatever. That's what you're missing with Timberlake uh, and, and Jackson in the game instead of him. But again, I still do. I still think it can be true that those three of Timberlake, Jackson and, and McDowell overall had a really good week and are getting better. And they weren't necessarily the the reason why you lost the BYU game. If, if, KJ doesn't, you know, struggle so much from the floor in the second half. If Hunter makes four of those free throws at certain times, I mean, there was a stretch where Kansas made missed five free throws in a row. Like that, that's the difference in the game. So I, the, the McCullough stuff is frustrating, but also, you know, I think the other guys, it's not as, as black and white as just being able to just like point the loss on them and say, that's the reason why Kansas is struggling. Yeah. I mean, on the night, Kansas missed 12 free throws and nine of those came from Hunter Dickinson. Obviously, Hunter Dickinson is upset, you know, like pointing out that fact isn't like picking on Hunter Dickinson, but he's just as upset about it as well, you know, as everyone else. So, um, but I mean, you look at Timberlake, like to be honest, I'm going to be honest. I thought Timberlake gave a result similar to what something McCuller might have done last year, right? Where, you know, don't necessarily have a huge scoring night, but you're able to get to the basket. You're able to draw fouls. You're able to get some rebounds like I mean, he had nine points, and sure, he was only one of nine from the field, but he was six of six from the line. Like, he was he was being aggressive. He was getting to the line. And I think that needed to happen more, and I think the rest of the team needed to do quite a bit of that as well. I was a little I was a little curious as to why, you know, Johnny Furphy had a couple drives, but in general, he seemed to be usually a lot more aggressive in other games than this one. There was a, a step back, I think, from what he normally does in terms of driving aggressively to the basket. So, again... Just an, an entire an entire team kind of thing. This is something that you potentially worry about, and you know it definitely does make me question how confident I am that they get out of the second game of a weekend in the tournament in any of the rounds. Just because you know you're going to have that huge step up, and and obviously like Kansas is still a third right now in the Big Twelve in terms of seeding for the Big Twelve tournament. Um, but you know if they drop two of these last three games uh, because they're tough games on the road. They very well may have to play in that in that second day of the Big Twelve tournament. Um, I don't know that I have any kind of expectations that Kansas is going to win the Big Twelve tournament. I don't think they need to win the Big Twelve tournament, and honestly, I don't think that they're going to necessarily be too upset about not winning the Big Twelve tournament. Um, they could use all the rest that they can get going into the to the NCAA tournament. So, 
Um, all right, let's let's move on from this game unless there's something that you just absolutely have to say about it. But uh, you know, looking back to Texas because you know while while the while the the discussion here is kind of you know brought down by the fact that the BYU game happened, that was a dominant performance against Texas. I don't know that that was as difficult of a game as as uh, you might have you might have hinted at you know with the whole you know midweek after a tough game uh, on the weekend. This didn't seem like it was a tough game for Kansas at all. Like they got up pretty big early. Sure, Texas made a little bit of a run, um, but then Kansas just took off. Uh, I mean, you know, Texas was able to bring it close about the ten minute mark, and then Kansas outscored them in the second ten minutes of the first half by seventeen points. Um, they had a huge lead at the half, and then they basically played even with them in the second half. So, I mean, that didn't seem like it was that big of a deal. Uh, you know, it didn't seem like it was too difficult for them. And, uh, you know, of course, you had all five starters finish with double-digit points. Uh, Dewan Harris had 14, Hunter Dickinson 20, Timberlake had 13, Furphy had 16, and Adams had 16. So really good shooting nights all around for everybody. Um, you know, there was also a, just 17 assists on 29 made baskets. Like, the ball was moving. The ball was working around really well. What did you see that, you know, you, I think you kind of saw the ceiling of this Jayhawk team without Kevin against Texas, and then you saw probably the floor against BYU. So, what what is promising from that Texas game that uh, you know that you can take forward and kind of think about this team moving forward? I think. Um, listen, this is a this is a defensive first team, and I think that the way that they shut down Max A. Smith and Dylan Basu was really impressive uh you know they basically made anyone else beat them and dylan mitchell is a freak athlete and showed that off on a couple of occasions but like it there was there was nothing easy happening for texas offensively and i think you saw you know this is another thing where um uh where it changed in the first half of byu from the second half like kansas has been really good when it can get out and in transition and run and use it at use its athleticism we saw that with you know the Nick Timberlake alley-oop that made it all over, you know, sports center, uh, Johnny Furphy, like dunks, um, you know, KJ Adams was just going nuts. Yeah. Uh, in there in the first half. And that, I think that's, um, yeah, that, that was the difference in the game where th- this one where, when, you know, I think it was, it was 18 to 15 Kansas and then it ends up being 45 to 25. Like Kansas just like laid a haymaker and just did not let up. And I think that's where, um, you know, we, we just Kansas is at its best when they are dominating the paint, they are getting out and running, and especially after forcing uh, turnovers. And that that uh, the transition is probably when we free up the best looks from three, especially you know Furphy or someone uh, kind of gliding to the corner. But then you know, it was interesting the Texas game too, just with how it happened. Like KJ Adams just kind of. He chose about two or three minutes, and he just took over. I think he had eight straight points. Then, you know, there's a little bit of sloppiness coming in the second half. Hunter Dickinson went on a personal six-to-nothing run. Um, it feels like, and this is actually for both games, it feels like uh, Dwan Harris, like, makes a big basket every single time someone tries to uh, tries to get close. And that was one of those things is that Texas, you know, tried to, to fight back, and every single time Texas tried to fight back, there was an answer. And a lot of it was – it was with either Dwan Harris scoring or facilitating. Um, and so, you know, that's one of those things where it, 
there wasn't the answers in the BYU game, or it, there were opportunities for answers maybe at the free throw line or to finish, and that they just didn't happen. And that was just the execution uh, and the game plan, the uh, the defense leading to offense and the finishing at the rim. Like that was that was KU at, at its at its best, almost uh, in terms of like if, if you want to say like what success looks like in March, it's shutting down the the opposing team's best players and make someone else beat you. It's not even forcing a ton of turnovers, but making the most of them. I mean, you know, Texas had 13 turnovers. It's not great. It's not terrible. Um, but it just seems like, you know, Juan, six assists and zero turnovers himself. Like he was aggressive when he needed to be. They just had answers and it was, and it was everybody kind of taking their turns and, and going with it. And that's where, you know, that you just really didn't see that against BYU. Um, especially because, you know, the, the, the BYU when you when you can't it, it's defense at least to offense for Kansas like that is the formula but also when Kansas it, it's very clear when they are struggling to get the kind of baskets that they normally get like inside or whatever maybe your free throw line they mentally then it it impacts the defense because you kind of are you're in your head and then they start making shots and you can't go off of a rebound and run fast you have to play slower the defense has more time to get back and then you're kind of just, they're in their heads. And so they never let themselves get in their heads uh, against Texas. And you're right. Sometimes I, it's hard to tell whether the BYU game was just, you know, college kids have bad games. Like sometimes it just doesn't go like, you know, there's, we saw that with the Texas tech where it's just like, <laughs> sometimes you literally just can't make a shot to save your life. And it happens. Um, this one was just though, I think what stood out it was just that, like Texas is a pretty athletic team and Kansas just looked way more athletic than they did and and part of this is the style of play too like BYU has a certain style of play and has big guys who like to go out and we've talked about this like that's the kind that hurts Kansas but against a, a athletic team like Texas that has some size like Kansas looked like the more athletic team there yeah and and I mean just one more final contrast between the two like like you said Texas had several times where they looked like they were going to make a little bit of a run to get back in the game and Kansas shut it down um you know in the BYU game, Kansas had two opportunities to really just kind of take control, and the crowd did everything they could to help them too. Uh, where Kansas made two straight threes from you know from Timberlake and then from Dickinson, uh, but BYU answered with two straight threes right after that. So it wasn't like you know most teams when they come into Allen Fieldhouse that happens and they start to fold a little bit just because of the environment and you know and and everything. So you have to credit BYU's poise and the fact that Kansas just. You know, it's it's Kansas gave it a good shot down the stretch in that game. Uh, whereas what we've seen from them in most of their other home games is that they've just been able to to run away with them um, and and really kind of land that knockout punch, uh, which they did against Texas multiple times. I'm surprised that Texas got up. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm guessing though after what happened with uh, Texas and Texas Tech at the you know just after that game, um, I think Texas was a little pissed off about the way that they played at Kansas. Uh, and let that carry over into Texas Tech because there was some man. It was it was a rough scene over there. Unfortunately, that's not our that's not where we where we like to talk about because it's not a Kansas program. So uh, we will kind of leave that one there. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, just go look all over Twitter last night. It was ridiculous <laughs> how crazy that game went. You knew it was going to be bad, but it was even worse. Um, but what was absolutely not bad at all is the collection of 
quality vintage collegiate apparel from our sponsor here on the podcast, the Charlie Hustle Clothing Company. Charlie Hustle is a Kansas City-based clothing company that specializes in collegiate and professional apparel, vintage collegiate and professional apparel. They have a ton of different stuff from a bunch of different schools. They have over 30-plus schools, everybody in the Big 12 except for Cincinnati, and they keep adding more um, as often as they possibly can. They do have a ton of really great professional stuff as well, Kansas City Chiefs, the Royals, all that stuff. Um, so if you go over to charliehustle.com, use promo code 101215, you can get 15% off of all non-sale items. They have a fantastic basketball hoodie, you know, so you can deal with the cold snap that we have right now. Um, or some really great t-shirts, NIL t-shirts or individual, uh, or I'm sorry, the, the, the individual player NIL t-shirts. They've got a great lineup of those for KU basketball. Um, or they just have tons of absolutely great program shirts as well. So, charliehustle.com, promo code 101215, gets you 15% off of all non-sale items. Charlie Hustle, vintage made fresh. All right, I do want to go ahead uh, and jump over and talk about the women because they had a really good weekend as well. But before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Talk Podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back. I'm here with Kyle Davis, and we're getting ready to talk about women's basketball. But before we do that, I do need to bring up the fact that the Kansas women's softball team is actually off to a really great start. Uh, they had a perfect weekend over the weekend, including a huge one to nothing upset of the 17th ranked at the time Texas A&M uh, Aggies. Um, you know, it's great to see them finally start to put some stuff together here. They've they've had a couple struggles in you know the in the last few years under under coach uh, Jennifer McFalls. Uh, I think I said her name right. I apologize to her right now if I said that wrong. But um, you know, Kansas is Kansas is uh, is finally has some things coming together and I'm looking forward to seeing what the baseball and softball teams are able to do uh, coming up in the spring. But I didn't want to go any further without that shout out for, I mean, it was just a huge win for them uh, helped for the big 12 to have an absolute monster weekend this week. Um, and, and Kansas was right there in the thick of it. So on to women's basketball though, where look, the Jayhawks have, they went on the road and dropped the game against Baylor, which you kind of expected, um, you know, just because of what they did to Baylor and how much they embarrassed them. Uh, in in Allen Fieldhouse, uh, the hope was that they could be a little bit more competitive, but it wasn't like that game was completely out of reach. They just didn't have quite enough on the road. Not necessarily that surprised, but coming home, 
um, you know, with a huge Sunflower showdown on Sunday afternoon. Um, man, what a game that was. How much of that did you actually get to watch? Quite a bit of it, yeah. Um, and it was. It was It was just a, a good, like, back-and-forth, like, high-level game. Uh, and, you know, now against a really good team. And, yeah, it was, you know, you had Tyana Jackson just blocking – everything uh for a long stretch uh, i imagine that we'll talk about Maya nichols at some point uh in here but yeah that one that was one that um yeah it was a good crowd i think i saw there was you know nine thousand plus there which was which was great and so yeah that one was uh that was a fun one for sure yeah it was nine thousand seven hundred uh roughly um which is i think one of the highest uh home crowds not you know not not postseason but the highest regular season pro uh, home crowd in quite a long time for the Jayhawks. And yes, there was, you know, it was, it was probably about a third K state fans, but there was a lot more Kansas fans than I expect there to be. I thought Kansas was going to be outnumbered, uh, fans wise. And it was absolutely not the case. Um, was very happy to see them pull off that win with, with as many of the, we own this state signs that I saw from Kansas state fans. Um, was happy that they weren't able to put those up at the end of the game. Um, but you know, I mean, this was a, this was a back and forth game. This was, uh, like you said, Samaya Nichols, had an absolutely electric game. Uh, you know, she was she was fifty. Uh, I'm sorry, she scored 20, 20 of the fifty eight points that the Jayhawks had, which was uh, just absolutely fantastic. She played thirty eight minutes of this game. Had the most, you know, had the most minutes. Had the most points. I'm sorry, she had twenty two points. I, I gypped her two points. She was one point off from her career high, um, which she had tied in the game against Baylor. Uh, so like this, she has been on an absolute tear recently offensively and it's really kind of opened up a lot of other things for other players. Holly Kirschgeter had 10 points in this game. You know, she had seven rebounds though. Um, and she had some really key steals at the end of the game as well to cause a bunch of problems for Kansas state and really seal that game. Um, you know, she had three crucial free throws that were ended up being the final margin. If she had made that, you know, that fourth of the three of them that she had at the end of the game, maybe it wouldn't have come down to the final shot like it did, but you know, just the way that the way that this team really stepped up. Um, you know, don't want to overshadow what Zagaya Franklin did in her time. Um, you know, she didn't really put a ton on the box score, um, but I thought she played really good defense. And of course, Mayberry had some pretty crucial, um, you know, minutes as well. But but honestly, I think this game is all about the post, right? Ioka Lee coming back, um, kind of working her way back into this Kansas State lineup, and you can tell she's not all the way back, you know, because she's. Like, I think fitness, stamina-wise, she probably wasn't where she wants to be. Um, but Kansas bullied her in the post and did a lot of what they wanted to do. And it wasn't just, you know, it wasn't just Tyana Jackson. Yes, Tyana Jackson had eight blocks in this game to extend her, um, you know, her number one mark in, in Kansas history, uh, blocking-wise. But uh, Denai Papadopoulou had a really good game as well. She had some... Some really good defensive plays against Lee and some of the other bigs that were in there. Um, you know, she had she played nine minutes, scored two points, um, but she had a lot of really crucial Six rebounds. That was right, big. Yeah. Right. She had a lot of really crucial plays in that game and really helped the game from getting out of hand in the second quarter. Kansas State had three different times where they went on pretty big runs to be able to try to come back. Or I'm sorry. To they built up a really big lead in the second quarter. They built up a really big lead in the third quarter, and both times Kansas Kansas came back. Was able to get it close at the breaks, um, and then of course you know at the end Kansas State went on a little bit of a run, but then Kansas went on their own run to really kind of push that lead there. Um, first of all, 
How big how big of a win was this for this women's program? I mean, when you're fighting for your NCAA tournament lives, this is a pretty huge one against the top 10 team. And actually, you saw it. And I think ESPN's bracketology uh, got them on the right side of the bubble after that win. So I think now Kansas is one of the last four in. So now you, you're right, especially because, you know, now you have a game tonight, actually, against a team you should beat on the road. Um, and listen, Kansas has played a really hard schedule. They actually talked about it on the broadcast quite a bit. Like when you're talking about strength of schedule, Kansas is way up there. I, th- I think they're third been, right now still. Yeah. Like, it's and, ridiculous. And, and they've been competitive in a lot of them, but eventually you got to get some wins in those. And it's not enough to just be competitive. You know, and you've got the, you've got the Baylor win, which is a good signature win there. But this was one that I think, you know, that against a, a, a team who had looked great all through conference play, you defended the home court. You hopefully have some confidence now that you can't have a letdown again tonight. But, like, coming into the rest of the regular season, you know, we talked about it last week, kind of that mark, the magic number that, that the women needed to hit to feel safe probably in the, in the NCAA tournament. And I think this win goes a long way for putting you on the right side of that. Yeah, I mean, and, and yeah, if you can beat Oklahoma, the, in the oh season, gosh, if you can win tonight, beat Oklahoma in the season finale, like you are, and then just don't completely lay an egg in the Big Twelve tournament, you're in great shape. Well, right. I mean, speaking of the Big Twelve tournament, like they are trying to stay out of that first day of the Big Twelve tournament, uh, which in order to do that, they need to be, I think, at least uh, at least sixth uh, is what I believe it is. But but regardless, like um, you know, trying to avoid being in that <clears throat> in that first day. And really, kind of getting to the point where they can go ahead and uh, and just put, make that push for the for the NCAA tournament. Um, I mean, they have home wins over Iowa State, over Baylor, over Kansas State now. And this is a Kansas State team, right, that built up their reputation and their high ranking without Ioka Lee. She's only been back for three games now, um, so it's not like you know she's been back for a ton and and uh, you know Kansas was able to shut her down. No, like they shut down basically. Or they they shut down most of the rest of the team. Like uh, Taryn Sides had you know eleven points was uh, three I believe three of three from the three point range. Um, you know that that is that is what she does. Uh, but she doesn't. She hasn't been she hasn't been scoring a whole lot. So she stepped up and actually scored quite a bit. And of course Ioka Lee had fourteen points. But you know after since like on the season she'd been averaging about twenty points a game and since she came back she had 25 points a game in the two games prior to this one so you know she had come back and they were really focusing on getting the ball to her but Kansas was able to kind of shut that down Serena Sandell only had nine points um, and she'd been a huge score for them and then Briley Glenn um, you know again seven points like t- players that are used to scoring the double digits Kansas was able to hold them down um, which is not something that you typically uh, would have expected just with the way that this series had gone in the past. Now, Kansas has now won four straight against Kansas State um, at home in Allen Fieldhouse uh, on the women's side, which means that this is a much more competitive rivalry than than it had been previously to that. So it was good to see them be able to get that split again uh, to be able to defend the home court. Um, as, as Holly Kurzgeter put it, this was the best memory she has in Allen Fieldhouse, uh, and that is even over the WNIT championship that they won last year. So like that, that, that tells you something, right? Playing in this rivalry for four years or for five years, um, and really just getting to this point where you can have a win like this against a top ten team at home, and it mean this much, and potentially push you into the into the NCAA tournament. Like you said, they still have work to do. Um, you can't afford to drop an early game in the Big Twelve tournament, um, but if you can win out here, 
win one in the Big 12 tournament, you have to feel like this Kansas team is probably in the NCAA tournament. Um, and on the right side of the bubble this time instead of on the wrong side of the bubble like they were last year. So uh, really excited about that. Anything else from the women that, that really kind of jumped out to you? I would just say, you know, like, uh, listen, Johnny Furphy is a very popular man around Lawrence right now. But, like, it, there is another freshman, like, doing things that we're just not used to seeing in Smiley Nichols. And I was actually – so before this, I was going back and looking. I was like, you know, is this the best freshman season for a KU women's player since blank? And, you know, so right now, just for context, she's averaging 14.6 points, three, re- three rebounds, 2.7 assists. I mean, Holly Kerskeeter had a decent freshman year, not this well. Uh, Danielle McCray, who got drafted in the WNBA, had a fantastic career, uh, averaged 10 and a half a game as, as a freshman. Um, Angel Goodrich, which is another one, uh, player who got drafted, had a great career, was not this productive as a freshman. So, like, I think just, I, you know, it gets lost because, you know, they're not on ESPN every night and, and the record's not as, you know, they're not ranked right now, that sort of thing. It, so it gets lost compared to, you know, maybe what like the hype that Furphy and others are getting. But what Nichols is doing as a freshman to be this productive this early is something that we have not seen in a long time. And literally I'm on sports reference and I was going back, I think I was at the 2004 or five season. I can't find anything as good as this. Again, there's, there's like Kerskeeter, uh, McCray, some of those averaging 10 or 11 points as a freshman, which is, which is, really good like that's that's what you see and we knew that Samaya Nichols from her high school rankings was you know thought of as one of the most best most productive players but like she is living up to the hype and I'm if you haven't had a chance like you should watch this team anyway because they're they're really fun to watch and you know they're they're fighting for an NCAA tournament berth but just watch what she did and the and the way that she took over the game at the end and you know put Lee in the spin cycle uh and and just some of the stuff that that she did it's just it's it's not getting as much attention as it deserves. Yeah, it was funny because, you know, they were asking or she was asked after the game about how, you know, how was she able to get so many good shots over Ioka Lee? She said, well, I have a whole bunch of counter moves in my arsenal. And thankfully, she fell for every single one of them. Um, like everything was going great for her. And, and, you know, this is a I mean, this is probably the highest rated recruit that Kansas had in a really long time on the women's side, maybe ever. Um, it helped, obviously, that she was local, but. You know, she's doing things, and, and Coach Schneider has talked about the poise that she has um, just so, so much this year that if she's doing all this as a freshman, like, it's not, one, it's not very often, and, and I mean, like, you can expect her to be here for four years uh, unless, of course, you know, she were to transfer for some reason. But being a local person, like, that's much less likely to happen, especially if the team is able to, to have, you know, a general level of success here. Like, Smiley Nichols, I think, is going to be the face of this program for the next four years, including this year. Um, but it's going to really kind of elevate what this team does. And seeing that already as a freshman with the poise that she has means that it's going to be even more ridiculous this year, or, you know, c- coming up in the next few years. Now, granted, she's not going to have that, you know, talented stable of seniors that can help support her, what she's doing and, and really kind of help push her along. Why that Mayberry will have a one year of eligibility back or one year of eligibility left and could come back. Um, but you know, you're not going to have, you're not going to have Zakiah Franklin. You're not going to have Holly Kersgeeter. You're not going to have Tyana Jackson or Ryan Cobbins next year. It's going to be a very young core um, that they're going to have. And she, she is setting herself up right now already as a leader on this team. Um, and so I'm excited to see what she can do over the next few years. Uh, you know, Kansas has some pretty good recruiting classes coming in though on the, on the women's side as well. So we'll see. 
what they're able to do. Um, hopefully they can finish the season strong and really kind of make that push to the NCAA tournament and actually win a few games. So, you know, ideally they won't be in that eight, nine game so that they don't have to play a number one seed on their floor again. Um, you know, cause that's been kind of their undoing the last few, the last few times that they made it. So, but, um, anything else about either the women's game or the men's game or any, or anything looking ahead? Obviously there's a bunch of stuff coming up this weekend, but, uh, um, you know, I, I am planning on actually doing a preview this time of the Baylor slash Oklahoma stuff. So, um, you know, be looking for that probably coming out on Friday. Uh, but any, anything else you want to chat about before we get out of here? No, well, I, there's, uh, there's a little breaking news in, in the football world. So if we need to throw some sirens, I don't know if you've seen that it literally, as we were just talking, no, I missed uh, it. So, all right, Leah Feifold, new contract. Uh, seven million a year, going to be in the top three in the Big Twelve coaches. So it is out. Pete Thamel uh, broke that just about fifteen minutes ago. So uh, yeah, Kansas has locked down their guy, and uh, you know you got the new stadium coming. You've got conference realignment. Oh my gosh! I say we could spend got, yeah. we could spend half an hour talking about Lance Leipold <laughs> in this you know on its own. So but but yeah, let's let's take a couple minutes here just to kind of talk about that, like. There was a bunch of people that were upset about, you know, Lance Leipold's contract not getting renewed before the Washington stuff, uh, you know, with Jed Fish uh, eventually going over to Washington, um, you know, kind of worried about, you know, when Michigan comes available, is that a problem? Like, Kansas, Kansas pretty much had their guy. It was a matter of working out details and working out, you know, final. And and I can guarantee you that, yeah, this puts Lance Leipold at $7 million a year which is still under Bill Self. You know, we, we had to get Bill Self extended so that way. Right. Um, because, again, a basketball school, the optics of it, you can have them really close, but you can't have a football pl- uh, coach that's making more than your, than your you know, Hall of Fame, uh, two-time national champion, um, you know, head basketball coach. But, uh, you know, I, I'm guessing that there was a lot more, rather than the, the top number that Leipold gets, I'm guessing there was a lot more of the negotiations in the, like, the, the assistant pool and, you know some of the uh, the NIL commitments and the and the yep. facility commitments and all of that and and of course it was just a couple of days ago that Travis Goff was out in front actually it might have been it, it was Monday I believe where Travis Goff was out front of the the construction uh, you know recording that video about the new Gateway District about how everything is kind of moving along there so um, there's a lot of stuff happening around the program there's a lot of money being invested and I think that was always the big right the big uh, the big I guess drawback to trying to be the coach at Kansas was it there was a question about how invested are they actually in being a football school? You know, are they willing to put in the money that they need for facilities and for support staff and everything else to allow them to be competitive? And what we've seen from Travis Goff is that, yeah, this, this, uh, you know, he's been able to get donors lined up to be able to make that commitment. And with everything that's happening now and with the additional, uh, you know, additional contract amount now for, for Leipold and his staff, like this is this is a huge commitment. This is this is a huge sign moving forward of what this Kansas football program could potentially be. Yep, and and, and Thamel puts it in a second uh, post and articulates just that you know this is part of the bigger investment in the football stadium facilities upgrade, but also includes a significant uptick in on field and support staff salary. So you knew that was coming. I also would imagine that that Lance's has some pretty nice bonuses uh, tied to that as well for if Kansas can win the big 12 or make the playoff, that sort of thing. He will definitely be seeing um, some nice bonuses from that too. So let's be honest. Those are, those are achievable. Like 
They are. To think yeah. that Kansas could potentially, like, they are playing officially. They're playing for a spot in the college football championship. Like, yeah, but you're right. Playoffs, you know, this is, so I'm looking yeah, forward to it. Yeah. When, you know, and <clears throat> the no one is safe from a conference standpoint, TV and football, we know the, you know, football media rights drive kind of everything. Credit to Goff and, and Kansas for putting their money where their mouth is and, and making sure, you know, that single handedly making sure that it's not, you don't end up like an Oregon state or a Washington state and you're on the, you know, outside looking in if, if things continue to change. And even just in general, like you've got so much momentum right now, like the, the way that you become one of those like uh, programs that is just laughable for 30 years is because, you know, every time you got a guy who gets some success, you don't support him enough. And then he, he goes somewhere else and you have to start rebuild all over again. Like this is, um, the last thing that Kansas could afford to do right now is have to start from scratch uh, with from a football perspective. So if you can keep Lance, like get this ball rolling and keep him supported and happy. And yeah, NIL, NIL is a huge part of it. I know his assistant um, salaries are important, especially when you have assistants who are so good that they're getting poached and now you have to replace them. Like you, you also make it easier on him to build up his staff because now, you know, imagine a couple of years ago trying to, have David Beatty convince you to be, go be the, you know, wide receivers coach at Kansas, uh, at that time. Like yeah. now, well, it's I like, mean, this, like, this even, is an attractive job. Yeah. Like, like even with the offensive line coach, right? Like they pulled somebody who has a really good pedigree. Like they lost a really good offensive line coach, but pulled somebody who, again, is not necessarily like you're not as comfortable with him. One, cause he hasn't been with the program and two, he hasn't performed at as high a level, I think, but really solid fundamentals. A guy that Lipo's worked with before. Kind of knows what he's doing. You know he's going to be able to slot into the plan and the vision that this team has a whole as has as a whole. Um, but you can also just feel it. Like we we have a new recruiting guy over at uh, at Blue Wings Rising who has been talking with a bunch of recruits and you know talking about about a lot of these recruits with with people. And there's a lot of excitement around this Kansas program. Kansas is at the top of some of the recruiting lists that uh, that some of these prospects have. That you know you think even three years ago, Kansas wouldn't even get considered. Um, you know, guys that have offers from like Georgia, Florida, Alabama, Ohio State, they're considering the Jayhawks. Kansas is in the mix, you know, in like the top eight with some of those schools. And and while you always think that there's, you know, like the expectation is not that Kansas is going to pull in all the blue chip recruits, but there's a, a very talented four-star recruit that's right here in Kansas City that normally would not probably give Kansas the time of day. Um, you know, if this was like during the David Beatty era or if this was, you know, even, you know, four or five years ago, but now he actually is quoted as saying that Kansas is at the top, as you know, is, is up at the top of his list. Maybe not the number one, but like being seriously considered. So the fact that they're able to now get these high level recruits really interested and everybody loves the direction of the program, you know, there's a lot of talk about Lance Leipold and staff and, and kind of the way that they've, you know, they've represented the program and really kind of sold the program to a lot of different recruits. It's going to be huge for them moving forward. I guarantee that Kansas is going to be losing a lot more assistance as we go through the next few years. In the next five years, I would not be shocked if um, 90% of the, you know, assistants are different now just because, uh, you know, that's the way it goes when you're playing really well, when you have a really good team and guys have shown what they can do. Other teams want them and other teams can kind of pick and choose who they want and who they're willing to pay a whole bunch of money to to pull them off of your staff. I think Kansas is going to end up being, like, I don't like the idea that they're potentially a quote-unquote farm system for coaching staff for everywhere else, but 
that also means that they're doing something right, that, you know, the people are identifying talent. And as long as Lance Leipold's the one making the decisions on who to bring in, I can guarantee that they're going to find guys that are going to be good fits. May not be as successful as you want in every, you know, aspect of the game, but I do think that in general, we're going to see a program that is sustainable at least. And that's the biggest improvement. And, and if you continue to be able to pay more competitively for the other coaches and you keep winning, then you are now like, it's, it's less intriguing to leave Kansas for another, like the, the, the Kovalecki lateral, somewhat lateral move from Kansas to Penn state that closes that gap now. And, you know, if you can pay them better and you've got, the new facilities well, that, that and you are winning then you're but that you know, wasn't just yeah. money like that was also no, a, no, 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 no. Yeah. but i'm saying i'm saying you're going to lose some guys but also you might keep some where you would have lost them before because right. it's less of a breeding ground when you can actually well, pay them well honest, and win and yeah let's be honest as well with the way that this program is turned around and the way that that is all set up now you have a much bigger pool to pick from for replacements as well which is i think what's going to be just as big for this team so all right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us today. Uh, great breaking news there at the end. I'm glad that that finally happened so people will stop asking me about it. But uh, uh, that is going to do it for us today. Kyle, thank you so much for joining me. And thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please to go out wherever wherever you get your podcasts, where it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcasting. Subscribe. Get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments, would be absolutely fantastic. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are, of course, part of the 1012 Podcast Network covering all the teams in the Big 12 Conference. Um, you can find links to all of our great shows over at 1012network.com or you can also support us over at patreon.com slash 1012network, just five bucks uh, gets you to support or allows you to support your favorite show on the network. Um, but make sure you visit our sponsors, Charlie Hustle, Price Picks, great deals with, uh, with the sponsor codes we have over there. But that's going to do it. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.